Well, it looks like we're we're on time. Most of us are being here at this time. We keep playing with these words. <clears throat> so it might be a good time to start as just a few other people arrive. Maybe we have a, a good quorum at this point. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I, was, I was thinking, as I often do, and maybe thinking is not exactly the right word, I was um, responding with my body hearing the classical chant that goes before uh, a Dharma talk, at least the English version, an unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect Dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas, having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Um, and you've probably heard me say this before, um, but um, I think it's always nice to remember since we don't chant it, and it's, it's not common for us. An unsurpassed penetrating and perfect dharma is rarely met with. Um, it's not about me or Peg or who's ever giving the dharma talk. <clears throat> it's actually that to meet the dharma is a rare thing. And having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow, so here's the, the key, I vow to taste you know, with our body to touch and to experience the truth of um, the, these teachings. And this is probably really important with Dogen's teachings since they are um, in some ways laid out for us in a way that is more an embodied encounter than it is an intellectual uh, thesis in linear time. In fact, Dogen writes, I, I think, especially in Uji, in this kind of spiraling sequence, curving back on himself. As you've heard Peg and I speak about time and being and being time for the time being there's a way in which it kind of flows in a spiral up and down and back and forth rather than laid out in a line as as he as dogen makes his way you know folding back on himself um, and then releasing beyond himself 
to offer us a fresh and unique perspective on being and time. And this is also what um, Peg and I are doing. Um, I'm not sure that we thought about it so explicitly, but just naturally through our being together, all of our time together in teaching. We're also spiraling through these these teachings and folding back and enfolding each other rather than giving you some sort of academic, straightforward, explanatory version of the text. But moving through the teachings as best we can um, to open them and encounter them together, uh, to practice with them, rather than trying to just understand them intellectually. You know, years later, I'm sure you have this experience with other intensives, Years later, maybe even like days or weeks later after this retreat, you're not going to remember the details of this text. That's not a failure. That's just how it goes. I I won't remember. That's not actually a concern for me. My concern is that through your participation in the retreat and these teachings and with each other, that some inspiration or guidance or transformational experiences will have been offered that that you will remember in your body and that might benefit you and other people over time. That That's really what's more important. <clears throat> I found an interview with Shinshu Roberts, the author of the the book, which is um, I think we recommended to you, um, which is a, a walk through this text in a, in a very beautiful way. I knew her as Kokai. That was her first Dharma name. It was changed in Dharma Transmission. And for those of you who are in Austin, uh, Shinshu was a student at the University of Texas. And she lived on 32nd Street in a house a little tiny house that was torn down, like many houses these days. Um, years later, and wouldn't you know it, it was the house, it was the lot on which Aaron and I built our house on 32nd Street, right off of Lamar in Austin. And she was an attendant to Blanche Hartman when she came to Austin to do a retreat. And so um, we, got to, we got to know her. Listen to these words that she speaks in an interview with the Insight Journal back in 2019. She said, Ultimately, as practitioners, we must move beyond an intellectual deconstruction of Dogen and enter the realm of practice. So that's what we're offering you. She says, We take up Dogen's teaching in our everyday life as a, as a koan and ask, how, how does this apply to my life? Until we gain insight into the teaching. So she said, you gain insight by applying it in your life, not by intellectual understanding. She said, intellectual understanding is only a beginning. To progress, we must have a deep faith in Dogen's understanding and its practical application. Our understanding must be organic and reflect the truth of our situation as individuals. It has to become personal. 
And I would say, as Peg mentioned yesterday in her talk, our understanding must be organic, as Shinshi says, um, because it's based in our body. And it reflects the truth, as she says, uh, reflects the truth of our situation. It must reflect our own truth of our situation as individuals, but also, as Peg mentioned, as our through our collective relationships. And this historical moment, when she spoke about these three realms of time, of, of the personal and collective and historical. Our practice rests in this fleshy, visceral foundation based in the body, as the body, expressed and practiced through our forms, which we embody. Uh, certainly, if we were in the Zendo, we would be engaging these forms in a, a, a more robust and coordinated way together. If there is no heart, no body, only mind, then you are not practicing Zen. This is a very important point. If there is no heart in the matter, no body, no embodied practice, and only intellectual or philosophical understanding, you are not practicing Zen. I can't emphasize this enough. Just returning to that interview, just for a moment, Shinshu says, Dogen's teachings do apply to our everyday life, believe it or not, <laughs> as you read them. His intention is to bring us back to our true nature within the context of our daily experience. She says, I think the difficulty we experience with his language the difficulty we experience with this language will bring us closer to his goal if we approach his teachings with faith, intelligence, and an open mind. There's that word faith again. It's as if the difficulty with the language she's saying is actually one of the entry points. She says, because Dogen is not easy to understand, the difficulties we encounter with the text may free us from our preconceived ideas about practice realization. We have to work with Dogen and open our minds to his point of view. And this point of view is when our minds open to things as it is, which Suzuki Roshi would say, not... Um, some new and improved spiritualized version of our limited personal point of view. It's, it's interesting how we take our spiritual practice and through um, a self-improvement project, want to go from our sort of messed up view or suffering view to like a spiritual view, a Buddhist view. That, that's not the, our practice. It's to open ourselves to this time being and we learn an open flexible uh, uh, viewing or orientation without being attached to a particular view we don't go from like the everyday 
suffering view to now the free spiritual view. We open to a flexible way of approaching and meeting and enacting life rather than attaining some new particular view. And we're free to explore and to take on and relinquish all views as they move through us and we move with the flow of contingent, contingent reality, which is being time. I would recommend that you, if, if you want, if you, if you take the annotated text that we sent yesterday, which is um, numbered in various sections, and you don't, you don't have to, but if you want to take a look at it, sometimes it's, it's useful. Um, I am referenced some of the first section uh, in my first Dharma talk, and, and so did Peg. <clears throat> and I wanted to return in this <laughs> spiraling, folding back uh, teaching to a portion of that n- number one section in the translation we're using, where it says a, a golden... 16-foot Buddha is time. Because it is time, there is the radiant illumination of time. Study as the 12 hours of the present. Three heads and eight arms is time. Because it is time, it is not separate from the 12 hours of the present. And remember that 12 hours is the whole day, as Peg, Peg mentioned. A golden 16-foot Buddha is time. Because it is time, there is the radiant illumination of time. Our path of practice is not separate from this moment, this moment with each other, the moment we come online and see each other's faces. And this moment reveals and illuminates the path. This is the understanding that self is time says Dogen. So we practice, like this 16-foot Buddha, we practice standing upright in our lives with beginner's mind, which we spoke about a moment ago, taking a dignified posture, but full of humility. You can do this. You can stand up with great dignity, but with humility. Humility isn't a collapse, and a dignity is an arrogance. Like a 16-foot Buddha, not knowing maybe much of anything, but also not holding back. Not knowing, but not holding back. A golden 16-foot Buddha is time, and because it is time, there is radiant illumination of time. Everything is radiantly illuminated at all times. Everything is radiantly illuminated at all times. But so often we're unsatisfied. We keep ourselves busy so we're not bored. I don't know, why why do we feel this need to fill each moment with activity? Maybe you don't do this. This is one of my painful practice edges, to be honest. 
So I have to ask myself, what am I afraid of? I want to ask a a more penetrating question than like, oh, why do I do it? Like, no, what am I afraid of? Why is time so terrifying? Or is it being that is my big fear and time is the way I endeavor to manipulate the fear by managing time? Ask yourself these questions. And in number two, the second section, Dogen says, even though you do not measure the hours of the day as long or short, far or near, you still call it 12 hours. Because the signs of time's coming and going are obvious, people do not doubt it. Although they don't doubt it, they do not understand it. Or when sentient beings doubt, what they do not understand, their doubt is not firmly fixed. Because of that, their past doubts do not necessarily coincide with the present doubt. Yet doubt itself is nothing but time. Everything is too immense to understand. Everything is too immense to understand. Peg mentioned what it was like for her to look into her father's face as he was dying silently and what she called before the enormity, which I thought was a beautiful phrase, of the moment of time. Just to sit upright in the silence and stillness of Zazen To inhale and exhale is everything. This is the enormity, the immensity. Simply embodied, just to inhale and exhale. What's here is everywhere. What isn't here is nowhere. In some ways, the deep secret of Zazen is entering the embodied reality of time being. Being here now. You uh, inhale and feel yourself in the fullness of time. Exhale and release. Inhale and come closer to your breath in this moment. And by doing so, by doing this simple act of sitting upright in stillness and with some dignity and silence and inhaling and exhaling, by doing so, you become a student of the way. This is how you actually become a student of the willingness to engage this simple and profound fullness of practice by following the schedule by surrendering to the containment of retreat, we come face to face with the immensity and the enormity and our unwillingness to meet being time. To sit, to breathe in, to breathe out, intimate with this simple but really powerful rhythm of life without without too much in the way as we sit, 
This is the way we study the circle of the way, which I spoke about on Monday. And remember that radiant Buddha, we shine a light on our negotiations with life as it is. And we try to negotiate with reality, with time, with presence, with being, with separation and individuation, all of which, if we can just negotiate it with it right, the right way, we secretly hope is going to quell this background fear that arises as we live in time. But instead, this negotiation just seeds new blossoms, new weeds of anxiety again and again and again as we attempt to control and negotiate rather than release, inhaling and exhaling. You know, whether or not we're open to including the totality of our experience, the totality of our experience as our being, the totality of life is always present anyway. We're living, being, time, fully, constantly. We can turn toward it and notice it or negotiate with it. And this shows us, I, I hope you began to get the idea that our daily life and our spiritual life are the same thing. We may doubt this fact, as Dogen says, but this doubt is nothing but time. He said, although, because the signs of times coming and going are obvious, just look at your face on the screen, you think, oh my gosh. Although the signs of times coming and going are obvious, people do not doubt it. Although they do not doubt it, they don't understand it. What happened? How did I get sort of ruined by time? Or when sentient beings doubt what they do not understand, their doubt is not firmly fixed. Because of that, their doubt, their past doubt, does not necessarily coincide with present doubt. Yet doubt itself is nothing but time. And number three, Dogen says, the way the self arrays itself is the form of the entire world. See other things in this world, this entire world, as a moment of time. See each thing in this entire world as a moment of time. Things do not hinder one another, just as moments do not hinder one another. The way-seeking mind arises in this moment. A way-seeking moment arises in this mind. It is the same with practice, with attaining the way. Thus the self, settling itself out in array, sees itself. This is the understanding that the self is time. You know, we, we have these fragments of time, which we think define time and our lives, the past, present, and future. But how much 
time does it actually take to be here in this instant, which is not this instant as soon as it happens? The way the self arrays itself is the form of the entire world. Everything is happening now. It's all here. And our practice is not some comparative game of enlightenment versus the failure of enlightenment. That's how so many people set up. But this is Dogen's, this is practice enlightenment. This is awakening, which is none other than, uh, you know, in the Genjo Koan, if you translate it, Dogen called this actualizing the fundamental point. Our practice is the actualization of enlightenment or realization. Through our practice, we're actualizing and embodying realization or awakening. Awakening is what we practice. And as Dogen said, if we're already enlightened, then why do we need to practice? But you're your sincere practice, when I see you showing up in front of me on the screen, and each face, it's, it's so wonderful to see you. And, and we're sitting, I see you sitting in your situation there, or bowing with the bell and getting ready to walk. Your sincere practice expresses this quality of the actualization of realization. That's what's coming through. You're demonstrating that you're actualizing realization. Now, you may not feel that you realize anything, but you can actualize awakening. Because remember, it's embodied. It's in your heart. Don't worry if you don't feel that you realize anything, but you can actualize awakening. And your sincere practice is the expression of these qualities of the actualization the actualization, the embodiment, the lived reality of realization. And that line, the self setting itself out in array sees itself. One of the ways that I, I see this happening is this self-reflective and wakeful um, setting the self out can be thought of as the way that we uh, live ethically, you know, following the precepts. It's the way we set ourselves out in our life. To actualize realization. So the precepts are how you actually live. It was interesting because as I was typing out some notes, what I wrote was, let's see, where, uh, to actualize realization so the precepts are how you love and then I went, oh, no, I meant to live. And I thought, well, maybe to actualize realization so the precepts are how you love, maybe is better. You know, for example, if we don't refrain from stealing when we've realized that we are these independent operators who just need to learn to respect the property of other people. No, as we deeply realize and actualize interdependence and wholeness, 
actualizing non-separation, we naturally don't steal from ourselves. Likewise, with harming, you wouldn't harm yourself. So why would you harm another, which is no other than yourself? I look after myself um, by looking after you. There's no other, no directionality, no time other than being. You know, we don't practice our forms to reach some special state of samadhi. That's how people often line it up. We practice and actualize through our form, samadhi to express the shape of our lives with wisdom and compassion, to truly set the self out in array so we can understand this self in time. Even when you're awash in shame, for example, you know, your beauty, the radiance, the 16-foot golden Buddha, untouched. Being yourself is being a Buddha. And being a Buddha can only happen for the time being. The ancient Buddha isn't coming back, you know, the old one. But that's okay because we're all here. You can see them on the screen. And we're doing decent practice and we're doing good work when we can hold these tensions and pressures that I'm talking about lightly, skillfully, at least for the time being. Everything is flowing. Everything is none other than the contingent flow of being, of time. But it's not flowing towards something. It's not going somewhere. It's the somewhere now. And if you look at number four, Dogen begins to speak about this. Know that in this way there are myriads of forms and hundreds of grasses throughout the entire earth, and yet each grass and each form itself is the entire earth. The study of this is the beginning of practice. I love that. The study of this is the beginning of practice. When you are at this place, there's just one grass. There's just one form. There's understanding of form and no understanding of form. There's understanding of grass and no understanding of grass. Since there is nothing but just this moment, the time being is all there is. Grass being, form being, or both being. Each moment is all being, is the entire world. Reflect now whether any being or any world is left out of the present moment. <clears throat> you know, we chant about the teacher being the present moment. Each moment, life as it is. And this reminds us over and over, even though we forget, I think that there's not some guru out there. Dogen isn't some old Zen master who's going to import ancient wisdom to you. We're not prostrating in submission to anything or anyone. Even as we do surrender our self-centered dreams as entrance to the way. We're also not working to help you adopt some new, better belief system to cling to, no dogma or theory, some theology or philosophy, yet, you know, we do have depth. I think you can feel this and you hear it in inquiry. We have depth and we do have real practice. 
being in time. And we're being told by Dogen here in this segment that the present experience is really the core teaching of Zazen. The problem is that we forget it. We forget about the moment-to-moment flow of life because we're so caught up in our ideas about how things should, should run and how everybody should act. We're filled with all these things we call, you know, these days our core beliefs. And they, they sound so static, um, as if they're cemented into our foundation. But for Dogen and for us, I think our, our core beliefs really are momentary, if you take them outside of time, and contingent, because they are in the flow of everything. They float up into awareness and they pass away. They're not fixtures or static parts of our personality unless we cling to them as such. We can see through them even as we turn toward them. Respect them. Soften our commitment to them. Unburden our fear and even our trauma over time, which has never touched the 16-foot golden Buddha, by the way. Number five, yet an ordinary person who does not understand Buddha Dharma may hear the words, the time being this way. For a while I have three heads and eight arms. For a while I'm an eight or sixteen foot Buddha body. This is like having crossed over rivers and climbed mountains. Even though the mountains and rivers still exist, I've already passed them and now reside in the Jewel Palace and Vermilion Tower. Those mountains and rivers are as distant from me as heaven is from earth. It is not that simple. (laughs) At the time the mountains were climbed, and the rivers crossed, you were present. Time is not separate from you. And as you are present, time does not go away. As time is not marked by coming and going, the moment you climb the mountains is the being, time being right now. If time keeps coming and going, you are the time being right now. This is the meaning of the time being. Does this time being not swallow up the moment? when you climbed the mountains and the moment when you resided in the jewel palace and vermilion tower, does it not spit them out? Every moment is swallowed by time. Every moment is none other than time. Dogen says, you know, in the Genjo Koan, to study the Buddha ways, to study the self, to study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad, the 10,000 things. What's the purpose of all of this? Really? Why would you invest a, a week of your precious time? In some ways, I think there's this longing to be free to be ourselves. Not, and when I say be ourselves, I don't mean indulge our habits and preferences. Like, I'll just be myself, do whatever I want. No, I mean to be your actual realization of awakening. To actually be Hawaii, to be Chicago, to be Austin, to be Madison, to be the north of England, to be the coast of Lake Geneva, to be hot and cold. Not some little persona holding a small static position against the enormity of reality. 
being time. When we're free in each moment, we can respond to the flow of conditions. And we realize that ourself is this elastic construction. You know, I know it's strange, maybe embarrassing to say, but we're different people around different people, aren't we? And when you follow conditions intimately, deeper and deeper, you end up with being time. But when you follow your conditioning deeper and deeper, you end up in cycles of suffering. When you follow conditions intimately, deeper and deeper, you reside in being time. When you follow your conditioning deeper and deeper, you end up caught in cycles of suffering. But as old narratives fall away, moving through your body, like ocean currents we spoke about the other day, strongly surging by energies we can't even see, you can allow the salt water of your blood to move through your body and the salt water of your tears to flow. And can you allow joy and freedom to be carried along on those same currents? I think it's, it's possible. Number six, I won't read the whole thing. You can take a look at it. It talks about the mountains, uh, the myriad peaks, yesterday's time, today's time, the six or 18 foot, you know, the sitting or the standing Buddha. It looks as if it's nearby, but it is exactly here. Thus, a pine tree is time, bamboo is time, Hawaii is time, Chicago is time, Minneapolis is time. Our practice isn't a straight path. You could get triggered and then you become like this little kid speaking to somebody, but you might also notice that the person speaking to you inside isn't your big sister or big brother any longer. It's not your father or your teacher or this difficult person. And you've had a lot of experience and a lot of years under your belt now, a lot of time, more than a young one who you feel is being spoken to. Being this time, experience moves certainly as variations of these old themes from your past, but and, and maybe from the past of the others, too, who seem to be doing the speaking, but it's not a precise repeat from previous time. There is movement in space, and this time, it's, there's a possibility for creative engagement here, now, including everything. Nothing left out. Nothing left out. So let's offer you a little time now to be together and look at each other, listen to each other, see each other, feel each other, open your hearts to each other, or keep your hearts closed and examine a closed heart. Everything's included. But let this time be a lifetime and be yourself. 
Thank you.